Welcome back, everyone. In today's podcast, I'm sitting down with my longtime friend, Chelsea. Chelsea is not a service member, but she is one of the people and friends that I most respect. There's a handful of people in your life that you can be really close with and maybe spend a lot of time away from, sometimes one to two years, and not really have much interaction. But every time you get back together, it's like you're picking up where you left off. Chelsea and I are like that. She's one of those women that is blazing the trail in her particular industry. And on top of that, managing her fitness and her family. I hope you enjoy the conversation where we talk about work, motherhood, and balancing the chaos that is day-to-day life. This is the next in the series of Cis Sessions. I'm your host, Meg, and this is The Valkyrie Project. kind of like this technique of like doing it more random and meandering because I've been like listening to other podcasts and I'm like it's kind of fun to like just hear the conversation as if you like walked into the room and stumbled upon somebody talking about something completely random like Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting so my favorite podcast that I listened to when I started right after Asha was born it's called one bad mother Mm -hmm. it's like a parent parenting podcast and it's like, it's structured loosely. Like there's kind of beginning, a middle and end. And then in between there's a lot of good like conversation. I like it. Also, I like the name of it. Why does she con- call herself one bad mom? Is she just self-deprecating or is she like, I realize that some of the shit I do might be kind of off color, well, but it's whatever. Two, it's two ladies and they are, they're, it's, yeah, they're kind of, they kind of have like a self-deprecating attitude that I really like that's, you know. Nobody's an expert on anything. We're all just trying to survive kind of mentality. Yeah. Like it. And it's been, as a person without any kids, it's been interesting for me to watch this, the evolution of that kind of mentality become more popular over the last like decade or so since I finished up college. And, you know, all of my friends had many babies really early. Not mm-hmm. you necessarily, but that's, that's a gross, vast generalization. But like, I feel like when... When I was younger, like I was a kid or a teenager, there were all these like, what to expect when you're expecting? And, you know, Oprah would have baby experts on the show all the time. And they're Mm -hmm. absolutely always do this and absolutely never do that. And now there's like this wave of. It's like anti-expertise. Yeah. Like like, don't take yourself so seriously. And if your kid is alive (laughs) and not bleeding. (laughs) Like, yes, you're exactly. probably succeeding. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yep. I think um, if I had had a baby, like, earlier in my 20s, I probably would have parented more in that style. You know, like, like super kind of hover mom, read every freaking thing you can about a subject. And I'm really glad that I didn't have a kid until I was, like, 30. Was I 31? I was 31 when Asha was born. And, like, I didn't read anything. I just, well, it helped that I had read some stuff before. So I had, like, some background knowledge. But I did not, like, freak out about anything. I didn't read anything. I mostly ignored all of the advice about when you're pregnant, about what you're supposed to eat, except for, like, deli meat. But, and you know what? It was, like, so much more relaxing that way. So much better. Yeah, ignorance is bliss. (laughs) I mean... Is it would be easy to like get down a rabbit hole of trying to read up on what all the experts say, and then you end up on the other side of it. Like, what the hell do I do with this when somebody that is just as qualified as the other person, like when they both have mutually ex- exclusive opinions about mm-hmm. how to raise a kid? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing people are realizing is that every kid is different. Like, something that works on one person's kid is not going to work on your kid. And so maybe that one guy's expert advice will work for like half the population and the other guy's advice will work for the other half. You know, you just got to figure out what works for you. Yeah. I think that's a statement that applies to many, many, <laughs> many facets of life. Yeah. Just figure out what works for you. Exactly. I've had people uh, tell me pretty recently, like, what's really refreshing that you don't run around and constantly talk about fitness, even though that's a big part of your life. It's refreshing that you're not one of those obnoxious people. I'm like, well, you know, 
It'd be really unfair of me to go knock Zumba people or yoga people or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. if you're staying fit and you're moving around, you're doing something to, like, be healthy, I really don't have any room to criticize you. It's just... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't appreciate that about someone else. Right. So. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think that coming from the CrossFit world, so it all just gave me a better appreciation for different types of, uh, like uh, in CrossFit, you get exposed to like all different kinds of pieces of different workouts, like powerlifting and gymnastics and running and, um, you know, you, you come to appreciate all those different sports by doing a little bit of them. And it just gives you a little more respect for different, different kinds of athletes. You're focusing more on Oli stuff now, right? Cause you were pretty, you were yeah. pretty competitive for a while there. And then you guys decided to get pregnant and now you're getting Baby. back into it. And then yeah. cardio was hard. <laughs> When is it not hard? It was extra hard for a while. It was just like, I just couldn't. There's something in your body, like especially, actually, I was going to say later in pregnancy, but it was the whole way through pregnancy. But it kind of like puts this little limiter in your brain and you get to a certain like heart rate and you're like, nope. Like a governor and an engine. Like, yeah, you can't go past here. Don't go past here. And so I got so used to listening to that, that even after having a baby and trying to do cardio, like my body would not go past that point, which, you know, having done some competition before, you totally understand if you want to, you know, do really well or get a good score or just, you know, exercise really hard, you have to go past that point. That point that your brain you tells have to you no. train yourself past that natural mechanism that evolved to protect you from overexertion mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was a survival thing. Yep. So, yeah. but yeah. So if you go past, like I, if you go past a certain point, like I know, like what I'm physically capable of doing. I'm very familiar with my body after so many years of exercise. So, like, I know how far I can go and still be okay, even when my brain is trying to tell me, like, don't do this, bro. Stop. <laughs> um, but, like, it, only recently have I been able to to actually start going a little closer to there than I was before. It was like my body was, like, hard stop at a certain point, and it just I couldn't go past there. Also, my abs are finally starting to work again, so that's nice. Uh, did they <laughs> no. stop working? Yeah. When you have a kid, that's terrifying. Well, and I'd like, okay, so again, everybody's different, right? Yeah. Someone who has a C-section okay. is not the same as so, like, a nat- like a vaginal birth. So they, probably, um, so they have to, I guess they would have to cut through the abdomen. They do. Abdominal so, muscles to get to But the- that's a different abdominal muscle than like, well, I mean, everybody's abdominal muscles obviously have to spread for your stomach and everybody's come together back together differently. But also on top of that, I felt like doing having a vaginal birth, my like lower abs, like especially like the bottom ones right near your pelvis, those were the ones that took the most stress from from birth, and they were the mo- they were like the most separated, at, like while I was pregnant. So those are the ones I, that I still continue to have the most trouble with, like anything like doing, noticeably so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, to do toes to bar uh, right now is still like really hard. They're just the, those bottom ab muscles trying to lift your legs up. It kind of brings the whole hip flexor motion full circle the last couple inches. Yeah. So those are the ones for me that have been, I've had a really difficult time with. Some people have more. I mean, I think if you're, if you have a C-section, it's a little bit more towards the middle of your abs, like just, just below your belly button, mm-hmm. I believe. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. The, that bottom section of muscle, too, is really long. Mm-hmm. That ab, like that section of abs? Yeah. I think you're right. Like it extends, extends longer than the rest of the abs, which is why you see those extremely lean people. It's like mm-hmm. the last set of chiclets is at or just below the belly button, and everything else is like long. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better term, chiclets. Yeah. You know, square-shaped rectangular abdomen things. I've never had those. I don't know what those are. 
I go in and out of having them. And, you know, I actually got excited a minute ago when you said that, you know, every, like, sometimes your abs come back together differently. Like, mm-hmm. I've always had a weird scenario where my abs are offset. So it's like, <laughs> you ever seen, like, the kitchen tile arrangement where, like, the tiles are staggered <laughs> instead of right next to each other? Mm-hmm. Mine are staggered. And I'm like, what in God's name is happening? And I actually read somewhere that that indicates core instability somewhere. Hmm. Well, that's good. That's nice to know. So I've actually heard that if you have a deep divot in the middle between your abs, that's actually a bad thing. It means that the like fascia between your abs isn't strong. And that, so when you get pregnant, you have, um, what's that called? I have no idea. I don't know the technical term. Um, diastasis recti. So yeah, when your abs separate when you're usually when you're pregnant, but uh, it it can happen other times too. Did I, you know that when you have a kid that your brain can't remember anything? Like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> baby brain, mom brain. So mom brain is a real thing, and I've experienced it several times recently with friends that have just had kids or are pregnant, and it's hysterical. Because earlier, remember, you're like, "Is this my cider?" And I was like, "No, that's mine." And I said it like two or three times, but you drank out of it anyway. <laughs> By the way, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We're sipping cider while we do this, and I hope you do the same. Um, yeah, it's real. I, I thought it was total bullshit until I was about seven or eight months pregnant. And then just all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and there's just words that I can't pull out of my brain. I know they're there. I just can't pull them up. We use this word at work um, to talk about the... Um, it's called, it's the word is title block. It's the border around all of our drawing drawings. Right. Um, so can, to, tell, can you, to tell everyone I'm, yeah. an, I'm an electrical engineer. So Chelsea is one of the smartest people I know. You're well, you're welcome for Chelsea's presence right now. <laughs> Go on. So we have, um, so we have a, this border that goes around all of our drawings that says, you know, like this is our company. There's a place where I put my seal on it. Mm-hmm. It has all the information about the project, all that. And every time I'm sitting there at my desk and I can't pull up the name title block, all I can think of is the word border. And that's not, border is not the term that the industry uses. Title block is the industry term. And because such a, it's such a common term, you really could throw somebody off by using the wrong term, right? Right, like, right. What do you mean? Which I have used the wrong one, and someone's <laughs> been like, you, you know, like called me out on it. Like, that's not what that's called. Like, similar, similarly, you might call the plug in the wall an outlet, but in our industry, it's called a receptacle. That's just what it is. But I will sit there, and I'm trying to type an email to a client or, you know, a, a coworker. I cannot pull up the dang word. And I t- it's so frustrating because I, I know it. My brain can only think of the word border and not the word title block. My brain can't <laughs> do synonyms anymore. And That's I have to be stand so up, look over the cubicle wall and go, hey, bro, can you remind me what the word for border is? And they're so used to it. They just laugh like it's title block. And I'm like, yeah, thanks, bro. And I sit back down. Can, hashtag can you remember that when it's time for my evaluation <laughs> yeah man if baby baby brain is real which apparently it is i am so screwed when i have kids because i have that shit right now on a regular basis and i think it's just because especially when certain things at work get so busy you only have so much bandwidth you only have so much of the glass to fill with information and it's mm-hmm. like Anything extraneous to that, even if it's something I ought to know, is just going to spill out the other side. And, like, you can ask Dan. I'll be talking about something random at the house, and I'll just pause for, like, 10 solid seconds, not able to think of the word I want to use. And he thinks it's hysterical. And I'm, I'm like, I'm 32. I feel like I shouldn't be having this kind of cognitive deficiency right now. You've been taking your fish oil. I've been taking krill oil, actually. Oh, there you go. Which doesn't make the weird burps, and I've heard that it's more potent. Hmm. And it's actually, I've had good results from it, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm all up in that Trader Joe's fish oil, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Every once in a while, I'll get a bottle that has a bad aftertaste in it. Um, but usually, they're pretty good. 
So hasn't done shit for my memory though. That sucks. <laughs> we don't have a Trader Joe's near us, but um, so I've been doing the krill oil on Amazon. We were saying earlier, Amazon's the new evil corporate Walmart, and everyone was like, love to hate it. Amazon's ruining small business, but I'm still going to buy my fish oil from you. Interested the to Walmart of the internet. Yeah. It's getting to a point now where like Walmart really is the only thing that I could see as competition for Amazon, but their, their online store is like, it's not even a competitive, it's not even a good option. Like if I just got on the website the other day and tried to order something really simple and small, like put it on the online basket and then pick it up in the store and I couldn't figure it out. It was that difficult. So I just buckled and went to the store. Yeah. Like you, people used to do in the olden days before Amazon, but yep, <laughs> there's there's got to be some competition for Amazon at some point. Yeah, it'll it's got to it'll reach a breaking point, I think. Well, and I wonder how that all works out with you know, we've had you know am, anti-monopoly laws in place since like the day the days of Dale Carnegie and all those. Those are industry guys, but they were intended for companies that sell actual things as you know, opposed like, to providing a service, which yeah. Amazon does, right? Like yeah. they, they get their supply from somewhere else. Right. True. The I- industry has always kind of stayed ahead of laws. Like we're always scrambling to make laws to keep up with whatever the latest technology is. So they have to take advantage of whatever mm-hmm. whatever loophole they have. So, I mean, I think that's why there's so many issues with, like, Facebook right now and data privacy and all that stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how that all falls out in the next 20 years or so. Yeah, and it's kind of scary to think about, you know, everything's changing so fast. <laughs> My parents didn't want me to have a cell phone. I think it was like the last person my age to get a cell phone. <laughs> I think I was too. I was like 17. I went to college with like calling cards. <laughs> like, wow, come on. Everybody has a of getting me a cell phone. So I didn't have to use the calling card. It was good. That's amazing. Oh man. When I got to Winthrop, uh, where I went to school, I had one of those like Zach Morris cell phones. It was basically like a small brick, <laughs> but um, I got s- a plastic toy that looks like one of yeah, those back there somewhere. <laughs> uh, my stepdad got it for me and he was like, this is for emergencies only. And then he would call me on it and be like, what you doing? So I'm like, clearly this is not just for emergencies. I'm going to start texting and calling people. And then when the bill went through the roof, he lost it. He was like, yeah. Well, that happened to me once I went home. So, so my aunt in Florida got me the cell phone, right? Is it the one that I met who gave us aloe when you got like ethically sunburned? Mm -hmm. She's a sweetheart. Yeah. So she's the one that got me the cell phone and, um, she was paying my bill for me. And I think it was normally like, it was like 40 bucks a month or something like that. But then the first, Christmas in college, I went home to Maine and I didn't know about roaming. (laughs) And there was no, no, there was nothing in Maine then. There was no cell phone towers. And I went to babysit for a family that I knew out in the boonies and I was sending text messages and calling calling my internet boyfriend or whatever the hell I was doing. (laughs) And, um, yeah, and I got back and the bill was like $800. Oh my God. And I was like, but it didn't tell me it was roaming. Like, yeah, I was like, clearly this is not my fault. So my aunt called them up and like talked them down to like $400. (laughs) That is obscene. Gosh, the world is changing so fast. I feel like there's this through history, especially in American culture, we have this tendency to do like a pendulum effect where public opinion and like people's perceptions of things go from one extreme to the other and it's always in response to whatever the previous group or the previous generation did like you'll always see you know a republican president followed by a democrat followed by a republican and we go from one extreme to the other where it's like it's all tech everything and then it's like we're gonna go live off the grid now and and uh that back and forth to me says that you know maybe at some point the pendulum will swing in a better direction but Do you think it, was, it will ever, like, settle in the middle, though? 
I kind of wish it would because I feel like, you know, I'm going to take the liberty to speak for everyone in America when I say that I'm pretty sure most of us are to some extent in the middle of the political spectrum. If total government and total anarchy are on either ends of the political spectrum, because it's really not Democratic and Republican, in my opinion, it's how much government do you want? Is it the most government possible or the least government possible? And that would be on the far right and most on the left. But I don't know. I think if you could interview every single American voter, the results would show that the vast majority are really tired of the political process in general, and they're tired of like being dropped into one bucket or the other, Democrat, Republican, whatever. I think most people would probably identify themselves somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. And even if they're more leaning on one side or the other, they probably have some perspectives that do cross over that, you know, party line. Um, So who knows? Do you think that older, more established, established countries are more in that middle ground? Like, you know, like the, like the European countries, do they seem like they're more in the middle and their swing is less? Absolutely. Well, to some extent in comparison with the United States, absolutely. And here's why the way that a lot of those countries that the older ones, the longer established ones that you're talking about have been around for so long that they have to some extent, a cultural identity. And although there are some changes in that over time, there's enough, I guess you could call it heterogeneousness. There's enough balance in there or enough. Everybody has enough in common. Commonality that they're not on the brink of a perceived civil war of ideology like the United States is. Mm -hmm. We were founded by a handful of people that were punted out by Great Britain that said, colonize that place make us some money send that money back then the colonists were like now nah, we worked really hard for this and you only talked to us one because at the time there wasn't any usps or internet so the initial understanding was we were going to colonize and make all this money for for great but because communication was travel by sea you know that if the people in the in the colonies decide they want to take their destiny and direction without the permission of the mothership they can't do anything yeah but you know with that said being the melting pot that we are it's kind of like in my mind it's a blessing and a curse it's a blessing in that this country allows live you know freely in in comparison to other places but at the same time it's really easy for example during our elections for russian troll bots to get online and you know incite fury in different mm. pools of opinion, like places like Japan aren't nearly as susceptible to stuff like that. And even back in, in reference to more cultural, less political and more just basic culture stuff, you know, there's still a lot of historically over the last thousands of years, like there's always been respect for elders in Japan. There's always been this ideology of like being a really hard worker and contributing to greater society. It was so bizarre, Chelsea. When I was 15 years old living in Japan, the babies did not cry um, in public basically at all. Wow. They might whimper to show something was wrong and the mom had enough instinct to like deal with it at the time. But baby, like with an a dr- eardrum splitting, screaming cry... Or how t- did the babies know not to do that? Because monkey see, monkey do. That's how mm-hmm. we are, right? So they're raised in a society where people like people get plenty drunk, you know, and sometimes, you know, college kids or whatever. But everyone still, for the most part, at least from my perception, composed themselves in public. There's this. We that, were uh, the obnoxious I, Americans, especially as teenagers. But. Yeah. <laughs> There's just that cultural identity of, of, you know, decorum. This is just what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the States, we really, we don't have that. So it's a good and a <laughs> well, bad thing. Well, not that kind anyways. <laughs> we might have other cultural uh, norms. Which ones are you talking about? Uh, I don't know, like beer pong. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think beer pong is the universal let's be friends thing of college. Mm-hmm. There was nobody that would ever turn down beer pong because even if you were terrible. Imagine how many germs get spread from that, though. I think back on that and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty nasty. <laughs> you know, Dan and I had a conversation about germs the other day. 
And the five second rule, I think just needs to be amended to like the five minute rule. And here's why. Cause there's no difference. Yeah. And germs don't just live on the floor. Like bacteria, unless there's something for that bacteria to eat and thrive off of on the floor, it'll just die when it lands there. Anyway, I'd be far more concerned with like borrowing someone's cell phone or grabbing a door mm-hmm. handle in public than I would about my food touching the floor. So in my current line of work, which is engineering, but I'm currently mostly doing design of hospitals. So it includes operating rooms and, um, you know, all, all different parts of the hospital in its glorious pieces Yeah, that I've thankfully, thankfully I have not had to go into a morgue yet. Um, but I'm sure it'll happen someday. Um, but part of that means that not in addition to building new ones, I, we often renovate old ones. So I walk through a lot of operating rooms okay. and different things. And I bring my cell phone so I can take pictures of whatever it is I'm going to be working on. And I, every time I walk out of there, I will like, they have hand sanitizer everywhere. I will take that hand sanitizer and I will wipe it all over my cell phone. <laughs> That's probably a good technique. Yep. Because I don't know what's in there. Yeah. It's ironic how hospitals are so stringent about their cleanliness rules, but they're like the easiest place to get ill Mm -hmm. because ill people are there. Yep. It's um, infection control is a big thing there. Yeah. Trying there's, there's a whole thing with um, like clean lights, like lights that put off like ultraviolet stuff to try to kill germs and control germs and stuff what does that do to human skin though well usually they run it when no one's in there like at night they'll run it on ultraviolet and try to kill all the gotcha i was gonna say i'm pretty sure that's what causes skin cancer you got doctors and nurses that live in that place i think mostly the levels that it is on wouldn't hurt a person but it's not exactly you can't really like do good work in ultraviolet light yeah doctors have to have certain kind of lighting requirements so that the color of your skin is accurate because the color of your skin is part of your can be part of your diagnosis really Mm -hmm. i guess that makes sense like if someone is an odd color of blue green pale somewhere in between that'd be a really bad sign yeah and if your lighting is really yellow you know that's going to affect what you see on someone's skin yeah so Speaking of, um, it's interesting that your work is bringing you to hospitals. That's not what I would have expected, but I guess electrical engineers can really find work anywhere there's power, right? Anything. I believe you with that serious look on your face. I wish everyone could see the expression just then. It was really intense. Um, speaking of work, how is that going? It's going pretty well. Um, I'm in an interesting place where I'm moving into leadership But because I switched industries, I'm also not necessarily super um, confident in my technical skills because I went from, I worked on nuclear power plants for a long time for really big companies. Um, That's not impressive at all. (laughs) (laughs) It really isn't. Um, When you work, when you work on nuclear power plants, you're not actually working on the reactors. Mostly you're working on all the ancillary systems that go around the outside there's a lot that goes into that there is but also when you work for a bigger company you kind of get shoehorned into doing one task all the time um and one of the reasons i left that industry besides the fact that they're totally failing financially um to build new plants of any type and all the old ones are falling down um is when you when you get shoehorned into doing one thing all the time you don't you stop learning yeah. You you're just, you know, here's your task, this is what you specialize in and they're like you do this for the next 10 years and then maybe if somebody likes you, you'll get to be a manager. That's incredibly boring, I would think. And, and this it is, doesn't do anything for your career progression. And this is so I worked in that industry to the point where I passed my um professional engineer exam. So I got my license, which means I can stamp drawings. Um, by the way, they don't stamp drawings in the nuclear industry, so it it was really just a tick in a box to be able to be a manager someday. So is that kind of like a like a notary public, or like a is it more just an indication it's, of your yours? It's more work? an equivalent to um, a, a an accountant's test or um, to passing your 
medical boards, the pass rate is about the same as to become a doctor to pass your medical exams. Um, it's really difficult. It's a difficult test to pass. It took me three tries. Wow. Um, that's not atypical. I felt really shitty about it for a while, but it's really not unusual for it, for it to take multiple tries to pass the PE exam. Um, but once I did pass, I sat, I went, I went to work and I, you know, I had conversations with my boss and I was like, okay, well, like what's next? Like, what does this mean? What does this change? Where do I go from here? What's my next challenge? And there was nothing. It's like, you're just going to do the same job you were doing for the next 10 years. And maybe if you're lucky and someone backs you, you can be a manager someday. And I was like, fuck that. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's that's terrible. (laughs) No, thank you. Um, So I started looking for other jobs. I found a job. Um, It was... With a, it was with a small company because I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up. I'm going to go from this big, huge company. I'm going to go to a really small, you know, privately owned company. Um, I went to one that had kind of less than 20 people. Um, the owner was an electrical engineer, and it appeared as if I would be very well positioned to learn the business. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, move up in the company and maybe maybe take over. Um after having learned all the knowledge, you know, from somebody yeah. who looked like they would be a good teacher. It just seems like an automatic answer. Like upward mobility is one of those like handful of requisite things for job satisfaction mm-hmm. and retaining your people. Right. I would think. Um, and, and to continue to learn. Right. Um, so that company turned out to be a dud. They mm. laid me off when I was five months pregnant um, along with, I wasn't the only person that got laid off. They also laid off a lady who'd been working for their company for 20 years on the same Holy day. Holy shit. It was a, like, basically the guy who was running the company was like running it into the ground. Um, so, but thankfully in part to the fact that I had my PE license, I got another job within two days. I interviewed while of I course was pregnant. You did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't, I was, I was still just small enough in my belly and had a shirt that was just loose enough that I, you know, made it through the interview. Um, so you didn't revealing have, anything. Were you worried about that? I was a, a little bit. I wasn't worried or, that they would find out, but what I was worried about was, um, what would happen after. Were so, you like specifically avoiding the topic or I mean, they, nobody would ever, let me, let's just say no white male is going <laughs> to think to ask about it in an interview, honestly. Um, yeah. So they never asked it, but when they made me an offer because it was another small company, um, I immediately was like, okay, you know, this is a really great offer. I really want to come work with you, but I don't want to start off on the wrong foot. And like, so I told them before we signed any paperwork and I accepted an offer offer. I let them know that I was pregnant. You know, that's so genius though. Like let them see how valuable you are first and mm-hmm. let the, the pregnancy thing just be ancillary. Cause really it shouldn't define your ability to do your job in any way right. shape, or form. Well, I, yeah. And I think kind of at that point, I mean, who's really going to say no? I mean, you would look like a total dick if you did. <laughs> exactly. But also it made it so it wasn't like I was holding anything back. You know, yeah, you because I told anything. before I signed anything. Absolutely, it didn't make me look like a jerk. Um, so thankfully, this the company that hired me. Um, it it was a company of a similar size. It's in the healthcare industry, which is different than the one I started with. Um, but it's a you know about a thirty person company, and um. It has turned out so much better than the the one I was at before. The management is really um, supportive. It's basically so there's it's a partner setup, kind of similar to like how an architectural firm would be set up. There'd be kind of like some partners at the top that actually own the company, and then the people right. below them. So there's three partners who own the company. Um, they're the the most you could want out of three old white guys. <laughs> Um, they're, 
so very look, supportive. They, they really want to train all the people under them. Their company has recently grown from like about 12 people to 30 people. So they're experience, experiencing a lot of growing pains, but there's also so much opportunity to help build the company also. Um, so my position is I'm, I'm called an associate, which is basically someone who's just below the partners. Um, I'm not, I don't have any actual money or loans into the company. Um, but I, you know, I signed like a non-compete clause and, you know, I get extra benefits from it. And as part of that, they really are teaching me the business side of how their engineering firm works. Um, so I'm learning so much there. So you're getting some like legitimate mentorship, which is really oh, yeah. amazing. Which is honestly has been the hardest thing to find in my career anywhere. Just to get someone willing to teach you is so difficult to find because no matter what you learned in school, whatever, you know, whatever your um, area of study was, you know, when you go into a real job, it's not the same. Like a real job is different from studying in school. And if you don't have someone willing to teach you the ropes, like you're just going to flounder, you know, maybe once in a while, there's a person out there who's going to do a really good job teaching themselves, but those, those people are rare and I'm not one of them. Yeah. I've noticed that my, the best experiences I've had in the military, almost always, there's a couple different things involved in that picture. One, I'm not being micromanaged. Two, there's enough time and space for us to, you know, as leadership in the company or group, whatever it is, to determine the best route for the unit and kind of act on that without excessive manipulation from higher levels of command that are doing it just because they can. Mm-hmm. But then three, there's there's always good mentorship. So it's, it's like a relief for me to hear you say that just because, um, you know, I think there are challenges when you have to work with people who don't share the same lens of life experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, because when you say old white guys, like... That's clearly but there's still some variety within the old white guys, but it's a loving, disparaging comment, right? Mm-hmm. Because clearly there are pieces of that that are frustrating to you, but it's also a mm-hmm. relief that they're so willing to help you out, like to get you better at what you do. So, right. Let me go ahead and like crack this egg open. Like, what's the frustrating part of that? The most frustrating, like literally, um, the the head partner, the managing partner. He's <laughs> don't say anything that's going to get you in trouble if they randomly decide they want oh, to no, listen no. to a podcast about for They're, military um, women. <laughs> so my the head partner of my company is actually um, um, a Marine or was a Marine. Oh. I never say that right. You ever call him a double They're dog? always a Marine. Or Gunny? Right? No. I never See what happens him. when you go to work and call him Gunny. He'll either think it's awesome <laughs> or if he was an officer, he'll be really pissed. I don't know what he was, so I'm not going to risk it. Okay. Um, but uh, he... He's never had children of his own. He's um, married and has stepchildren um, and very obviously cares for them very much. But um, so I came in one day, I was starting to get kind of closer to my due date. And he just goes, so how does this work? (laughs) And I was like, I looked at him and I was like, I don't know. I've never had a baby. (laughs) Well, there's a baby in there. And at some point it's It's going to come come out out. and it's going to want to eat. And he was like, but when are like, when do you stop working? And I was like, I don't know (laughs) when I start to feel (laughs) shitty or when the baby comes out one or the other, you know, but I kind of felt like he and I were kind of like on this journey together. To figure out your technique. how this gonna, shit works. We're just going to fucking wing it and see what happens. It's awesome. Right? And it's kind of what happened. He, like, literally, no one had ever been pregnant at this company. It's a 20-some-odd-year-old company. I'm going to go ahead and assume there aren't other women or very many women. There's not very many. There's, um, we've got kind of two HR billing ladies. We've got a front desk lady. And there's one other female engineer. So there, and one female um, designer who's underneath me. So there are three of you total that in the company that We're actually do kind of part of the engineering do the process. core task of engineering. Okay. Yeah, so it's maybe three out of about twenty of us okay. in the actual engineering portion gotcha. of the company. Um, you know, one of the 
other people is, you know, she's like fresh out of college, so she doesn't have kids. Um, and usually all the other female employees have been older, kind of past the having kids age. And the company's not that old. It's 20 something years old. So it's just not something they've run into before. No one's ever been pregnant and had a baby at this company. You know, my boss has never had children. I've never had a kid. So we're all sitting there like, what the frick is going to happen? <laughs> right? So, and I had out all these wonderful dreams of like taking a full three months off and <laughs> lounging around and watching yeah. Star Trek reruns on Netflix. <laughs> In case anyone wants to know, Chelsea is an epic geek in the best way possible. Super love me some Captain Picard. If anyone if my that daughter, doesn't is not American. If I'll my daughter right had been a boy, let me tell you, it would have been named after Jean-Luc Picard. Really? Yeah, it was going to be named Luke, Luke, like L-U-C, like Jean-Luc. But also a very, a very slight tribute to um, some Star Wars Luke as well, because my husband is a big Star Wars fan. So. so you guys decided it was going to be Luke L.U.C. if it was a boy? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yep. Tribute to both. I'm not telling you the girl names I already picked out because I don't want you to take no. her. Well, I can't take them anymore. We're all done with that. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Daniel just shot me the rock star fingers from across the room. That's amazing. All right. But in any case, so it, was, so it was kind of this whole situation where, you know, none of us knew what the hell we were doing. And what ended up, ha- what ended up happening is... In a small company, you, especially with an engineering firm, it's um, um, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, for the most part, a little bit of what's called fire protection, which is like your fire alarms and stuff in your building. Um, that's the core work of our company. Um, we have one guy that stamps all the drawings for mechanical and plumbing, and I'm the person stamping the electrical drawings. Mm-hmm. So while I was out on maternity leave, they didn't have anyone to stamp drawings so kind of like a week or two before i left on maternity leave they hired this guy who had an electrical stamp and he was supposed to um come in and work with me and stamp drawings while i was out so about a week into my maternity leave they realized this guy was like totally bonkers um so my boss like calls me hold on i want to see like he was trying to like take shit over and like just he was being really controlling Uh. and like he pissed off our our oldest partner, who's this like super nice, kind-hearted guy from Canada, right? Just the sweetest guy, and he made that guy mad. Um, Why are you gonna mess with my friendy? Right. <laughs> so my my boss calls me while I'm on maternity leave, like a weekend, and he goes, he's like, I'm asking your permission to do this, but we need to fire this guy. He's like. That means you're going to have to stamp drawings from maternity leave. He's like, go talk to your husband, you know, figure out if it's something you can do. Call me back. I talked about it to Daniel and I was like, we got to do it. Like, I can't have some crazy dude in there when I get back screwing stuff up. So they fired him. And I pretty much after one week completely off was working while I was home Keep in mind, I'd only moved into this industry three or four months before this. <laughs> Had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> right? And I'm trying to review drawings in this, like, new mom haze. <laughs> Looking at this stuff, you know, putting my seal on it, which is legally binding. I don't think I need to explain that. Um, my boss very kindly paid me throughout my maternity leave, so... Um, when I came back, it was really very much a, like, you know, we had each other's backs kind of feeling. Well, certain, yeah, yeah. I mean, he gave you more than he had to and, and vice versa. You were mm-hmm. definitely a team player for right stepping up to the plate a week after you gave birth. But were there any, I mean, I, I'm not familiar. Are there any laws in place for new moms? Like, did you get Well, first, that- first off, I know, I know what you're asking about. Like, FMLA, um, first of all, it doesn't apply if if you haven't worked someplace more than a year, uh, it doesn't apply at a company that has less than 50 people. So in two geez. ways, I was fucked. 
Right. So but that I speaks had even more up, highly that they helped you out. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I had saved up money. I would have been fine to go to go unpaid for six weeks to six to eight weeks. I would have been fine. Um, but they paid me. Um, I went back at seven weeks, I think, and I worked half days in the office until Ostra was um, three months old ish. Um, I will say I regret doing that. Um, even working half days, what kind of fucked up my milk supply mm. going back that early. Um, I wish I had either brought her with me because like as a, you know, seven, eight week old, um, she really wouldn't have been that disturbing to the office. I actually, at that point had an office with a door that I could close. I wish yeah. I had done that. I guess when they're newborn, really, they they only they sleep all the time cry and, when they need food and then really they're just sleeping. Yeah. yeah. And like I could have shut the door and fed her and read emails and whatever and I would have been fine. You know, hindsight hindsight is 2020. Um so I kind of I wish I had not tried to do that thing, but I was trying to you know, skirt that line of like I'm coming back but I'm not all the way back and well, and you don't want to seem like you're taking advantage of their kindness right, exactly. at the business and that you're you're putting up an effort to show that you want to be there and do the work right. and you're invested in the company and mm-hmm. all that. So I was trying to I was trying to put off that vibe, but also like I knew I wasn't like really physically ready yet. So it, I kind of tried to split it half and half and it didn't it didn't work out great for me as far as breastfeeding went. Everything else it worked out fine. So, you know, I I got back and I got involved with the projects that were going on and, you know, started figuring out how to do the working mom thing. And, you know, it, it gave me that extra time. It, get, it also gave, the, gave me the time to get my daughter used to going to the nanny in the morning, which was great because she started going to the nanny when she was so little. She's never had an issue, you know, being dropped off. She loves her nanny. Like every day, it's, yeah. sometimes I go to pick her up and it's like, I got to drag her out of there. <laughs> so. And I, I wonder about that too. You know, as a person who doesn't have kids yet, uh, that plans to at some point, it's again, disparaging, differing opinions about the best way to parent. Some folks are pretty dogmatic about my child will be, be with me every moment of the day until they're like seven, mm-hmm. because that's just how it should be. And other parents are like, it takes a village. I'm going to separate myself from this thing that demands my attention 24 seven so I can have some me time and make sure they get socialized with other people. And then I guess there are plenty of parents that kind of fall in between those two extremes, but it seems like it would, you know, from an outsider perspective, looking in, you know, just kind of observing my friends with kids and my family with kids, it seems like a good example to set for your kids to make time for yourself or at least, Mm -hmm you know, to some extent show like, I love you very much and I'll do what I can to make you a great person and help you have a great life. But, you know, mommy can't make you happy unless mommy's happy type of thing. Yeah. Like you can't just set aside your exercising and everything. So yeah, that's, that's totally true. So, and it's, it's been a really fascinating thing for me to, um, especially because like all my neighbors are stay-at-home moms, which is um, such a different struggle for them. They struggle so much to find that, that self-care, that me time to maintain themselves so that they can do the difficult work of parenting all day. Um, I would say that being a working mom, that's really not, as much my struggle, um, in most ways. Um, one of the reasons I've decided not to have any more kids is because I think that that would really impede upon my ability to keep a, keep, to keep myself up. You know, it's already difficult with one kid. Um, I have a stepdaughter that stays with us in the summers, um, sometimes and just, having her here with my daughter when this past summer, my daughter was um, like about 18 months old. My stepdaughter was almost eight. 
it was really difficult. There was no room left in your life to, to, there was, I don't think I did a whole lot of exercise while she was here. I certainly didn't, you know, pursue any hobbies. As you mentioned, I'm like a big nerd. My husband and I met doing online gaming. So (laughs) I've, I mean, I haven't, it's like a free dating service. Yeah. (laughs) What was your game of choice? Quick sidebar. Uh, we well, we were playing. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but basically like World of Warcraft style. What games. was it, Daniel? Guild Wars Two. Guild Wars Two. Yeah, oh, okay. is what we Never heard of that one. were playing while we when we met, um, and we kind of ended playing World of Warcraft, which is kind of the classic online that one I game, know right? It's been featured on South Park. Um, <laughs> So it was good. It was a good way to make friends. It was, you know, Daniel's awesome. We met doing that. But, like, that's not something I can keep up anymore. Um, Like, I've had to trim down my hobbies so much, even just for for one kid, or adjust my hobbies to something that suits my lifestyle more now. Um, I really don't do a lot of cooking and baking anymore. Um, But I've... I learned how to knit. (laughs) So like, but that's something that I can do in my 30 to 45 minutes of time after she goes to bed that I can make progress on. I can do it while I'm watching TV and like sitting and relaxing. And it's not, you know, it's not a strain on the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, So it's, you, you, you know, in any situation that you're in, you have to find some way to, to give yourself that time to find self-care and like express yourself and all that. But it's just, I've really come to see the differences between, you know, being a working mom and what I find as self-care is different versus a stay-at-home mom. What their self-care is is different from what mine is. Um, or, you know, someone with one child versus someone with three kids. Like, it's just everybody kind of handles it differently and it's, I've I've learned a lot since becoming a mom on on ways to do that. Yeah. So, and I one of my favorite mantras ever since really starting the whole podcasting series with the Valkyrie Project is no matter who I talk to, no matter what walk of life or area of expertise, whether it's, you know, nutrition or exercise or like life habits or just general like how do you do life the best way that you can given the situation you're in there's never any straight perfect answer for you know here's your silver bullet this is how you this is how you do it right there's no such thing as doing it exactly right it's all based upon the circumstances in your life and really in a lot of ways, your lens, how do you view the world? You know, Mm -hmm. there, I feel like there might be parents out there who made fitness such a huge priority in their life. And then they have kids and it's like, well, I'm going to move around enough to move around with my kid. And that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. And that's fine for them. And then there are others who continue on having goals that are outside of that, or, you know, folks that recognize this brings me a lot of joy and it brings me a lot of fulfillment and I'm a better parent to my kid when I'm when I'm feeling fulfilled and joyful. And I I think that um, that's kind of part of the reason a lot of us decide to become parents is because like you know it's going to be a challenge, right? It's going to be. It's hysterical it's, that you say that, but you and I are wired the same way. Like <laughs> shit's hard. Bring it on. Yep. Let's do this. Yep. Like, so you kind of reach. I feel like you know, especially in kind of your late twenties, like you you've reached a point where you're like, all right, I got this shit figured out, you know. And then life is just a breeze. But then you're kind of like, well, all right, what's next? Just like at work, right? What's at next? work? I'm like, all right, I've I've figured all this stuff out. I know how to do these things. I've passed this test. What's my next challenge? And I, th- I think, like, personally, that's the point that I got to. And I was like, yep, I'm just, life is too easy. I've done all this other stuff. I've tried all these things, and I'm ready for the next challenge. And, I'm, man, having a kid is, it is a challenge. <laughs> that is the least of the ways to say that. But I enjoy that, and I enjoy, like, trying to figure out how to, how to deal with that and how to live my life and incorporate 
my daughter into it, you know? So, also, she's pretty cute. <laughs> she is. She's waking up on the, uh, I'm looking at her on the baby monitor. She's crawling around in there. Signs of life, rustling around. <laughs> she's trying to decide if she wants to come out or not. We took the um, toddler rail off the bed, so she's kind of got free reign now. That's awesome. She might come out and join us. Good stuff. <laughs> is there is there anything about, you know, your work dynamic ever since you started electrical engineering? Um, one of the main things I wanted to ask you about, you know, going backwards a little bit to earlier in the conversation I've had some uh, interesting experiences being in a male-dominated community. Um, and for the most part, they've been really good experiences and enlightening and taught me a lot about myself and you know who I choose to be going forward, not who I am, but who I choose to be. Because I like to think that to some extent, you know, I have a choice. I might not be able to control my external environment, but mm-hmm. I can choose how I react and enroll those experiences into my greater experience and you know how I want to leave lead my life and live in the future but where do you find yourself like right now in the quote unquote in the boys club after years of having to do it because I feel like we've had this conversation a couple times you've well, been in the boys club for a long time I'm dreading the day I have to learn how to golf <laughs> That's hilarious because I've been learning golf recent, like very recently, and I actually really enjoy the thought of rolling around in a cart, drinking beers in the sun all day, and just talking shit to people. Even though I'm terrible, it's it's great fun. It's good, yeah, it'll be good. But I just dread like having another thing to learn on my plate. (laughs) I dread it in that way. Like I'm gonna have to buy clubs and balls and special golf shoes and I'm gonna have to figure out what the fuck is a lady supposed to wear on the golf course do I have to buy special pants like what (laughs) just I just don't have the mental room to deal with that shit right now okay no yeah so I hear you there's that well you know old white guys they like to play golf so that's part of the culture in your workplace is people go play golf to build a sense of community. Well, yeah, the three partners play golf and they play golf with clients and there's a lot of old white guy clients. You totally have to get in on that. I know, I do. And and they're very friendly about it and I know that when the time comes, you know, I'll I'll figure it out and they'll they'll be welcoming and all that. Um, I might have to take a couple lessons. (laughs) I, I think I'll be a quick study. But it's just another thing I'm going to have to do at some point. And I'm kind of enjoying riding below that line right now. <laughs> well, if I mean, if learning to golf is the biggest challenge you have in a male-dominated environment, that's yeah. pretty on sweet. The, on the flip side, I, did, um, my, I went with, with my husband and my boss and his wife to a, 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 I don't know if you say gala or gala. I don't know. Which but it was like a charity. Potato, potato. Yeah. A charity gala uh-huh. that was put on by one of our our big clients. Right. And man, my boss was so uncomfortable. <laughs> really? That was so obviously not his thing. He would have rather been out golfing and, you know, doing something a little bit more informal. You could tell. Um, so I think, I think we did a good job. Uh, Daniel and I schmoozing. Yeah. During that thing. You have to schmooze. So. Yeah, we schmoozed. Daniel did most of the schmoozing. I think you and I are saying it differently. Schmooze. Schmooze. I say schmooze. Schmooze. I've had a little bit of cider. We we both have. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there's just, there's things like that that are coming up as I'm like kind of moving up in the ranks. Cause I would, I would say that after the three partners, I'm probably the, the highest ranked person in the company. So the, the lowest ranked partner is, he's also the engineering manager. So he's in charge of all the engineers and I am the electrical department manager and I'm the only real department manager. So I'm basically like his, uh, second in command is kind of how it works out. Um, and you know, so, so there's a little bit of that in the workplace. Um, there's, I Throughout my career, I haven't had too much, I haven't had too many issues with like blatant sexism. 
Um, and thank goodness, because who knows how I would have reacted. <laughs> um, cause I'm generally a person who's pretty blunt and, uh, like I will say in response exactly what I'm thinking. Well, and I've always appreciated that about you because the older I get and the longer I spend time in certain circles, I don't, who has time for politicking? I mean, be a decent human being and polite. Yes. But Mm -hmm. to the extent that you're having to just utterly manipulate every word that comes out of your mouth to avoid hurting someone's feelings. It's just not productive. Yeah. But anyway, well, so in any case, I've, I've maybe had a couple odd comments here and there. I had some, when I was still in the nuclear industry, I had this older guy tell me that he asked me why I was wearing heels with my pants. And I was like, cause my pants are long. And he goes, but heels are to make women's calves look good. And you can't see that in pants, so you should only wear heels with a dress. What? <laughs> he actually said that shit to you? Basically, yeah. <laughs> he was also this old, decrepit, overweight man who told me that he could lift a fridge. So, you know, I didn't really trust most of the stuff that came out of his mouth. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a le- just a, a leftover from the weird perspectives of yesteryear that we're all better off oh, about. It's like. Just- that I, maybe so his maybe, mother said that to him at some point and it stuck. Yeah. Like It was like one or two offhanded comments like that that I got that were strange. Um, and then I, I had one guy, um, we, we had had an incident with, with like a new hire at work who didn't show up. And then he was basically, they were like, well, if you can't show up to work, we're not going to hire you. And he became like aggressive and there was like a security concern and um, this uh this older guy at work basically we had like a company meeting to talk about it you know like be careful and if you see this guy you know let someone know and we'll yeah. call we'll call the cops or whatever and this older guy at work was like and if any ladies need to be walked to their car and i was just thinking in my head like dude I could probably take care of myself better than you could. Like, <laughs> You stay here. I'm good. <laughs> Would you like me to walk you to your car? <laughs> and uh, to, my, to my boss's credit, he was like, if anyone doesn't feel safe, don't walk alone to your car. You know, he like, yeah. kind of reiterated it without being gender specific. And it sounds like you know? that particular person has some like just good more, people just- skills. In, in managing stuff like that. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, for anyone that doesn't know Chelsea, my friend Chelsea, she's a competitive Olympic weightlifter, so, yeah. I'm pretty strong. You're pretty strong, and you're pretty fast. <laughs> um, I, I, it's, it's always been weird for me trying to sort that whole thing out and kind of where I've landed after a handful of similar experiences over the years. It's been like, you know, 90% or maybe even more of my experiences in a male-dominated job in the military have been pretty darn good and, you know, far more good than bads to the point where I wouldn't go out of my way to ever tell a female that they shouldn't join the military because of X, Y, and Z. And that was mm-hmm. weird because when I was in flight school, most of my instructors were circa Vietnam era dudes that were Ooh. like, just, you know, when you walk in to work on the first day, don't be surprised if they swat you on the ass and call you baby. And I was like, dear God. That's terrifying. Did that actually happen? And I was surprised when it didn't happen. <laughs> Time out? Yeah, um, our daughter shat on the place, so I'm going to have to clean that up. She did what? Yeah. Shat on something. Oh, good. Oh, did I mention more potty training? <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Did you notice a little green potty? That, I you did. Put, you put your bag in front of it. What did she poop on? Can you see on the monitor? No, I think she went in the bathroom and tried to poop by herself. Which is actually great. Um, so we have gone hardcore um, treat treat for poops uh, this weekend. <laughs> we started we started potty training like in September. She's definitely like capable. Yeah, you know she understands. She's got enough control. She can do it. Um, but my my na- my nanny's house is like all carpet. So my nanny has her in pull ups all day. Um, which I think sends a little bit of a mixed message. So we don't put her in pull-ups here, 
But then it's kind of like she gets a little confused. And then if we have to go anywhere, we put her in a pull up. So if we have a busy weekend and it's kind of like a backslide. So, um, and, and she's kind of like at this point lost a little bit of interest. She's like, whatever, I'm just gonna, if you put me on the potty, I'll pee, but I'm not going to make the effort, <laughs> you know? So, um, I decided that over this long Thanksgiving weekend, I told her every time you put something in that potty, I'm going to give you a treat. <laughs> like what kind of treats? Well, she's really into lollipops right now. Okay. I've got about four like half licked lollipops in the <laughs> cupboard. <laughs> Hashtag mom life. Yeah. She pooped this morning. She got a uh, three musketeers, little bite sized three musketeers That's bar. Amazing. Um, I'll, I don't care if she, <laughs> I'll give her whatever she wants. She wants a cookie. I'll give it, I'll give her a marshmallow, whatever you want, kid. Just take yourself to the potty, you know? And get get us out of this place where I have to remind you and you have to argue with me every time. Yeah. So. I hear you. I mean, she's not that old. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what their age is. When you know they're capable of doing it, you want them to do it. Yeah. You're like, I know, like, I know you can, I know you can shit in this pot. You just got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> The problem is convincing them that it's a good idea. Yeah. I hear you. Well, I would like to say from the bottom of my heart on this Thanksgiving day over our lovely ciders, these red clay cider works, Mm -hmm. ciders from Charlotte, North Carolina. They're delicious. But thank you so much for doing this with me. You're one of my oldest and dearest friends. It's always fun to get on the mic and bullshit for a little while. Anytime. It's good stuff. Come back and hook your mics to my table any day you want. Excellent. So for those of you listening right now, make sure you check us out at ValkyrieProjectUS.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. On Insta and Facebook is ValkyrieProjectUS, and, and on Twitter, ValkyrieProj. I'm probably going to have to re-record that. Did I just hear toilet flushing? Yeah. I don't think Daniel understands how this works. <laughs> I can hear everything. Your toilet just flushed while I was doing my sign off. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to smell like shit. It's fine. <laughs> I'll just I'll just redo it at home. She's up. She's been blessed for a while. This is awesome.